0: Hello, it's Personal Effects, and in this show we explore people's connections with objects and the impact they can have on our lives. I'm Warren Lankford. I'm one half of your hosts. The other half is Alex Cartwright, and she'll join us in a second because this story is about her. When she first told me this, I didn't think we were going to do it for the podcast because it doesn't make her look like the best person in the world, and the themes are really dark. But we decided to go forward with it because what kind of podcasters would we be if we weren't bearing our souls to you? I should mention before we start that the Becky and the Andrew in this story, those are not their real names, and Becky initially declined to be interviewed. Here it is.
1: When this started, I have like a very bad memory, but pardon me. I was probably around 16, so she probably would have been around 18. I was still going to high school. Mm -hmm. Becky's older than me. She would graduated, I think, and we would go just sit at coffee shops or go to record stores or go to shows, like basically every night. And Andrew worked at a record store that was on Broadway, which was like, you know, like the cool punk, like edgy place to be back then. And... Becky just had a crush on him. We would would hang out at this coffee stand across the street from the record store that he would work at and just like watch him because he was so dreamy. He was older than I think both of us. We had tickets to go see a show. We had two tickets and it was sold out. And she offered him my ticket so like I couldn't go. I was so sad because I just felt so lucky that she wanted to be my friend. I don't know. She just had a lot of charisma. She still has a lot of charisma. And she just like liked cool music and had cool friends. And just, like, I was kind of a weirdo. And she was like a real cool, fun girl.
0: How did that make you feel about Andrew?
1: I'm sure at the time I probably was sad, but I probably felt like, happy for her because I think it had been something that we were doing so much, just spending so much time, like, watching this guy. I was probably like, oh, thank God. There was some speculation that Andrew had maybe been with other girls. There was definitely within the amount of time, which I don't remember, between her giving him my concert ticket and um, the events that followed, I really did not care for him, and I don't know how much of that had to do with like jealousy. Then all of this stuff surfaces where he's like not treating her maybe super well, and. Cheating on her, and I was just like, "This is terrible." And so I had a lot of sympathy for her at that point, but also was kind of like, "See, I told you, this guy's the worst." So at that point, the mail comes, and there's this envelope, and the envelope is addressed to Andrew, and the writing on it is—I remember being like pretty feminine. And we were both kind of like, maybe it's a love letter from, you know, one of his mistresses. (laughs) And I don't remember whose idea it was, but one of us was like, we should just open it because, you know, like, fuck him. And we just like slipped it in one of our bags and just drove away. I remember driving and then just like pulling over. We open the letter and it is a letter that's from Andrew's father who is estranged to him. The letter basically is an apology for being... Like a bad dad, like for not being there for him when he was growing up, for drinking and wanting to have a relationship again because he had cleaned up his act. And inside of the letter, there was also a photograph of Andrew's half-sister who I don't believe he'd met. But there was also, I guess, a check. And we opened it and we were both immediately like, oh, fuck. Like, we just sat there, like, reeling, trying to figure out what we were going to do. After that, I guess, Becky brought the letter home with her. Basically, she had the letter for a while, um, and we were just trying to figure out what we were going to do. How long? I honestly don't know. Probably a couple weeks. Like, when it happened, we were both like, we can't ever talk about this. Like, what we've done is so dark. Eventually, I guess probably after a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, I don't know if I was involved in this. I don't know if this was something we agreed on. I really Don't remember, but the letter, along with the photo and the check, were thrown in the garbage.
0: Have you ever discussed it with Becky since?
1: Yeah. I called her, and I brought it up that like it was just something that has been bothering me for this time which is about 14 years I think since this has happened it's something that just like comes up and you know like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you just like have those like that just night anxiety like sometimes like this still will just be like fuck what did you do (laughs) and so like When we started this podcast and we're talking to these people about things that have changed their lives, it's like, not only do I, well, I don't know if I consider this to be something that's changed my life, but I consider it to be something that could have potentially changed the life of someone else and something that I intervened in. And I have personally like a very unhappy relationship with my father and Like a letter like that would be something that I would welcome so much. And so it's just especially hard to try and justify. And honestly, I'm mostly worried about bringing it to him under these circumstances. I'm worried that he's going to think that I'm trying to like use this for the podcast.
0: Like you're exploiting the situation.
1: Yeah. But that's, like, I really don't care if we get him on here. Like, I don't want, this is not like Maury Povich. Like, I want to be like, and guess what? Your dad did love you. (laughs) Like, I mean, it's just like, that's awful. Yeah. But, you know, if it's something that he's comfortable talking about, like, in this setting, then that would be fine with me because it's something that I did.
0: What do you hope his reaction is going to be?
1: (laughs) I mean, I hope that he's going to be like, oh, that's okay. Like every six months, my dad sent me a letter telling me how much he loved me. And like eventually, like I wrote him back and I said, dad, I love you too. And now we have this like close personal relationship and we're wonderful friends. I mean, that's my hope.
0: And what's your worst fear?
1: That that was like the one and only time that his dad tried to reach out to him and I destroyed that possibility. I feel like I can really, like I said, point to this as the worst, like this is the worst person I've ever been as the person who did this.
0: So the day after Alex and I had that conversation, we started trying to find Andrew. First we wrote his Facebook and Instagram accounts, then Alex got her hands on what we were told was his current phone number. What What's going through your, your head?
1: I just like physically feel not that great. Like my legs feel kind of numb. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. Uh, this is Alex Cartwright. I hope this is your phone number. Uh, I don't know if you remember me. I was friends with... Um, and I know that this is super weird.
0: After about a week of hearing nothing, we started trying other things. I dropped by a restaurant where he used to work, and we started bugging whoever we knew had a connection with him. But during that time, Becky had a change of heart and decided she wanted to be interviewed after all.
1: We told her that, as per her request, we changed her name to protect her privacy. What is it?
2: Becky. Becky! Oh, that's fucked up.
0: (laughs) It's my mom's name. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We asked her what she remembered about the day the letter was stolen.
2: I don't remember the incident as much as I remember how terrible I felt about it. That stuck with me more than what we actually did. But I think we were fueled by uh, teenage insanity. (sighs) I feel like we we swore to each other that we needed to like take it to our graves. Um,
1: I remember calling you like a couple years ago, and I was like, "I think we have to do something about this." And you were like, "We're not even supposed to be talking about this." That seems
2: that seems about like an accurate reaction.
0: When was your last re- interaction with him?
2: Uh, I moved to Los Angeles like five years ago. I collected a bunch of photos of that I had of Andrew and his friends and put them in an envelope and went down and visited him at his work where he was working at the time. And, you know, we had a drink and just chatted and looked through the pictures together and laughed. And that was, that was the last time I saw him. He hadn't really progressed. I don't know um, much. Oh, that seems mean, but yeah, he seemed, he seemed the same as he had always been. Did you, did you call him? I texted him. I texted him. I said, just wanted to, check in with you you can call me back or text me back anytime and i i haven't heard from him
0: we told becky about all the ways we tried to get in touch with andrew
2: he didn't respond no Mm -mm. but why would he hmm, like why would he not be at least curious okay like why are all of these or these two people from my past like trying to contact me right now like wouldn't you be like a little bit curious i mean i would be dying obviously
0: what was the last thing you heard about him
2: i stayed with a friend uh yeah we brought you know have you talked to him lately what's what's he up to and and she had mentioned that he was had moved back to the small town that he had come from
0: and we wrote this friend she tried calling a nephew of his and we just continued racking our brains for other ways to reach him Every single attempt was met with silence.
1: I mean, if I had to guess, honestly, what I would think is that he, (laughs) we we like to say like Seattle famous, like, you know, like someone that someone that like, like everyone knows and everyone's had a story of like partying with. And he was kind of like that. And I think for some people that can be super great, but it can also like just really take its toll. And you kind of I've known a lot of people that have been in that exact same position where you're bartender and. You have a lot of people around you kind of looking for something from you and it can wear on you and you kind of got to get out of it and you kind of move away, which it sounds like he did to some kind of small town and just kind of start your life over. If that's what he's done, you know, I wish him the best of luck and I can completely understand why like stirring up a bunch of old shit is like not of interest to him.
0: After a few more weeks went by, Alex and I were ready to give up. So we put what we had of the story together and sent it to him, hoping that hearing Alex tell the story would incite some sort of reaction. After about a month, I wake up to Alex freaking out, and I rushed over to her house.
1: All right. Okay. So, at five o'clock this morning, I looked at my phone to see what time it was, and I see that I have like three text messages from Andrew (laughs) and a missed call. And I was quite shocked. (laughs) And the text messages, uh, the first one was around midnight. It just said, send me that podcast link again, because that's the last communication that I sent my way. Okay, so then this is, Tuesday, June 21st at 4.40 a.m. Wake up, you asshole of a horrible asshole person. Wake the fuck up. Wake up, shithead. I, I, In my mind, I was just like, I have to call him right now. Because here he is. So I did call him at, it was like, like I guess a little after 5.30 30 he answered and he was very upset to put it mildly <laughs> he was he was like like what you did was really 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 fucked up and i was like i know that it was fucked up and he's like no like you really don't understand and he felt that his privacy i think was betrayed by me you know i explained to him that we had changed his name and then he went on to say that he thinks that I ruined his life because he could have had a relationship with his dad and he didn't even know about his dad trying to reach out to him at all Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and he had not tried to reach out to him again after this point and so he told me that he thought all this time that his dad was this bad guy but it turns out that he was a good guy
0: So at this point, what are you feeling like right then when he told you that?
1: Like, I was just the whole thing. I was just stunned. I mean, like he was crying. He was, I think, like doing the best he could to control how upset he was in order to get across to me what he thought I should know. (sighs)
0: So do you think that he understands at all why you would want to come clean from
1: his point of view? He thinks that I'm a fucking asshole. I tried to explain that, like, basically, I was a teenager when this happened. This is not who I am today. That's why I wanted to talk to him about it. To him, like, the nuance of my personal conflict over this means fucking shit to him. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't mean anything. Like, I was trying to not say too much because he obviously, like, he called In order to tell me how he felt, that was difficult because on one hand, I wanted to (laughs) be like, I was just a kid. Can you just forgive me? God, like, I'm sorry. And on the other hand, it's like he's going through. I mean, like his world is upside down right now. He's just like like learned this thing that's like crushing him. And like I'm trying to get some kind of closure. And of course he can't give that to me. And why would he? And I just felt like a petty little piece of shit.
0: (laughs) Well, now that he has, you know he has the information. Yeah. Is there... (laughs) Is that weight lifted off your chest or do you feel like... No,
1: I feel... I feel, like, mortified beyond, like, anything. He's told me I fucked his life up. I ruined his life. That's what he told me. I mean, how many people can say that?
0: (sighs) I don't know. I think there's a little bit of you that (laughs) should be proud of what you've done. You finally did it, dude.
1: Well, it feels a little bit like a day late and a dollar short.
0: We have not heard from Andrew since that day, and we have no idea if he's trying to get in touch with his father. So that should be the end of the story. But I remembered something weird happened right before that day when Andrew got in touch with Alex, and it was kind of overshadowed by that event.
1: My half-sister, Caitlin, maybe like six months ago, we were hanging out and we are drinking wine. We were talking about my dad, because she's still really close to our dad, um, but I haven't talked to him, and it's been like a long time now. She's just like, "Why don't like you should call dad and like just have like a real heart-to-heart with him?" I'm like, "No, I'm like over that. I'm not I'm not interested in that." I was I was like, "But it's funny cuz I did when I was maybe like 17, I think. I wrote him this letter that was like, "Dad, like I love you and like I just wanna, I wanna like have a close relationship with you and like be part of your life and your family, and like I'm sorry if I stayed at mom's like on more weekends than coming to your house. I remember like being like I'm really pouring my heart out and putting it all on the line. We just never never had a close relationship. I did feel guilty about that though, like I should have spent more time with him and with his family. And so that was, like, what was in the letter. And just a bunch of, like, sappy, like, 17-year-old bullshit. So I tell my sister about it, and she's like, what did dad do? And I was like, he never responded. And she's like, that's so weird and sad that he would get that and, like, never even respond to it. And I was like, eh, I think it's probably for the best. So right before we got in touch with Andrew, uh, my sister texts me, and she's like, so this is totally weird, but my stepmom, her mom like, found this huge pile of mail just, like, sitting unopened. Okay, so this is what, this is a text from Caitlin, my sister. Hey, so this is random, but remember how you told me that you wrote Dad that really heartfelt letter and he never wrote you back or said anything about it? Well, it turns out he never got it. My mom was going through really old stuff today and found, like, piles of old mail from 2004 that had never been opened. She just told me about it and said she had never seen it before and neither had dad. I know this won't really solve anything, but I wanted you to know that at the time he didn't respond because he never got it.
0: (laughs) What? Yeah. So it wasn't, you don't think like your stepmom like hit it? No, she
1: said it was unopened and it was in a bunch of other unopened stuff.
0: Did your sister open it? No, my
1: sister didn't. My stepmom did. Oh, and she said that my stepmom started reading it, but then realized that it was, like, a personal letter. And she was planning on giving it to my dad. And that's the last that I heard. So I assume he's read it.
0: But isn't it peculiar that there's some parallels here? Uh, yeah. Not parallels, like, perpendiculars, almost. Like. Yeah,
1: when it happened, when she told me about it, I the first thing I thought of was, there's only one explanation for what's going on here, and that is that, Andrew is dead like I've woken up his ghost and now he's haunting me by making this letter like appear at the top of a pile like a Disney cartoon you know with like with like tinkering bell music personal effects is produced by me Alex Cartwright
0: and me Warren Lankford if you have a story you think we should pursue, email us or send us a voice memo to personal effectspodcast at gmail.com.
1: Uh, you can also find us at facebook.com personal effects.
0: And on Twitter at PFXpod. Special thanks to the person known as Becky in this story, and also to Andrew. This episode had music from Bubba Bubba Bandit, Alex DeVore, Pure Moods, Ocean Squares, in bamboo death grove till next time
1: sayonara suckers